Welcome to Karura's Weekly Podcast. We start in 3, 2, 1. Yeah, so we've just completed three weeks ago um, our spiritual emphasis campaign on prayer. And, you know, before even I get into the main things of today, I want to, I'm asking, I mean, I hope you're praying more. I hope that there's been a change and there's growth. I hope you've not just moved on after ticking that box and saying, you know, um, I've already d- I've done this and so that you've already fallen back into your old habits, um, to the things that you were doing before you went through this learning and growth um, uh, that, that we went through in, in our interaction with God. My prayer is that we will be growing in our relationship with God. And that's the big thing about prayer. You know, relationship is about two-way communication, two-way interaction, and prayer is how we communicate with God. You know, earlier in the year, um, our spiritual growth campaign was redefining success according to Jesus. And, And this is so important because the way you define success will drive your life. It will define where you invest your time and your energy. It will determine what makes you feel happy or feel down. It will be the driver of your self-esteem. In fact, bottom line, it will rule your life. If your definition of success is around power, it's around money, it's about, you know, being liked by people, how many friends or, or likes you have and followers you have, You know, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. It's either God or mammon or the things of this world. For those of you who did this campaign, do you remember the the things, you know, how you redefined success as you did this campaign, as you learned, you know, is that definition of success still what you are living by? If you're still living by the world's definition of success, I can tell you that your prayer life will not grow rich. Because if it continues to focus around you and the things that you want and and what you want God to do for you, it won't be that two-way communication that builds your relationship. Um, Because you know what what, what is going on? You know, it's it's not going to be God that your will be done. Instead, your your main thing will be, God, please do my will and and you're not really listening to God and your life is limited to just what you can see and the things that are in your mind and in the end, it'll all be nothing because you will die. The world will, you know, will end and, and what will have been the difference that your life has made? What will be the difference of your life, of your existence? You know, God's will, God's will, God's plan is always better, bigger, fuller and it runs beyond this life into eternity and my prayer is that even as we're looking at prayer we've done prayer we've thought about these things that our lives will be centered around the center of that prayer that jesus taught us how to pray when he was teaching us about how to pray your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven and guys the integrated life that guarantees success is illustrated in the in the next diagram Um, i'm hoping that it's yes it's already up there and, and there in the center, our core identity and security rests on the fact that we are God's children. Then out of that is, is what drives, you know, our goals and the, and, the, and the whole motivation of our lives. And which is, of course, centered around God and God's kingdom in which I am an ambassador, you know, a witness, a servant of King Jesus. And towards this, I give myself. I give what I am. I give what I have. You know, I am generous. And... 
Jesus said, seek first his kingdom. And then all these other things will be added to you. This has to be at the center. And then being a child of God and being kingdom focused impacts every other part of my life. Every part of my life is a reflection of my and an expression of my core identity. What I do now, you know, why I live in my family, in my marriage, in the workplace, the goals that I set, the lifestyle choices, all of them reflect the fact that I am a child of God who wants to bear eternal fruit for the king and for the kingdom. And so I become a part of God's great and eternal story. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in them, they will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Where Christ is not the center, there is nothing that is produced. But connected to Jesus, our lives become truly fruitful. Which, by the way, is our theme for the church this year. You know, becoming disciples who are rooted and fruitful and we're working to help us grow in our relationship with God to center our lives around God and his will which brings us to the topic of of today which is relating to the worship and community center that God has asked us to build I want to talk about why we are doing it and then how the Bible guides us to do this in response to our reality and we're not running away from the realities in which we are so firstly why are we doing it? Well, we know that God has called us to build in support of the vision that he has placed on this church. The real thing that we are doing is equipping this whole place to serve what God wants us to accomplish through this place. You know, our vision, becoming Christ-like disciples, engaging the world, it's about becoming, it's growing as disciples who follow Christ and serve him, you know, in the things that he did while he was also in this world, engaging the lives of people around him and, and, and bringing hope, bringing security, bringing purpose to people's lives. Everything we do as a church must be in support of the vision around that making of Jesus' disciples. Our mission statement, you know, describes how the church community, what we will be living and doing so as to achieve God's vision and call for us. And our mission statement is to be a worshiping community, helping one another to be obedient to God's word and to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ in a needy world. And, and firstly, you know, just thinking about the areas of worship, of helping one another to be obedient. You know, these refer to how we walk together as the community of faith, the people who come here, children, youth, adults, gathering together for worship, you know, getting together into fellowship, helping each other grow as disciples of Jesus Christ who obey everything that Jesus taught. Experiencing the love of God together, expressing our love for him as community in worship and, and building loving relationships that reflect the vision of Christ. You know, believers who truly love one another as Jesus loved us. So the worship and community center will be, will be an enabling place, enabling us as a community to worship and to fellowship and to grow. And then there's helping one another to be, to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ in a needy world. As we go out from here, equipped so that the work of God can be, a, can be lived out wherever it is that we will be in all those places where God has sent us. Guys, we are the army. We are the army of God and we need a base for training, for support, for logistics, for healing. You know, I remember one time talking with, 
a member about our community center and she prayed. Her prayer was that there would be a counseling center where people can find healing and get back to serving effectively, living for God. And we want to be a light. We are to be a light for those people that are around us as we represent Jesus Christ. The wider community should see this as a center that is for the community. You know, they should find joy coming here together and, and gathering to plan the things that affect them, to see a place where their physical and their social and their spiritual needs can be, can be met. We're really thinking about something that is much better than a members club that brings in and heals and, and calls and connects people to God. And guys, the building is a tool to help us fulfill our mission. The building is not the vision. It is what God is asking us to build so that the work that he has, you know, for now and into the future is done. So even as we do this, we don't forget that the central core that we have, the reason why we exist is to help you and those people that will come to help us to know God better, to follow him and to serve him and to lead others to do the same. And by the way, we're already starting to see some of those benefits um, with the completed Kesima Champions Center. You know, that great facility we just heard about it concerning our children. It is serving our children, it's serving others. You know, weddings, there are meetings, there is discipleship and training that is going on. And actually next year we're going to restart our, our school of, of, of church planting. And there are many other opportunities for training. Dinners that we, we are planning just to help to build us together like what we've just heard about from Washuri. It's just it's just an opportune place, a place that really makes a difference. And, and when we are able to do the main sanctuary and the connected facilities, these will just multiply. They will multiply what we can do. Some of you may, may remember a campaign we did last year. It was called Made for More. And because God, it's, it's based on Ephesians, because God, and it's around this idea that God can do abundantly more than you can think or imagine. Because of the life that Jesus gave to you and to me. In Ephesians 2.10, the Bible says you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance that we should do. In God's design, we are special. You know, made to be more, made to love more, to do more, to go more, to win more. We are victorious in Christ. And as we invest in our facilities, we are stepping into that more that God is calling us into and opening up the opportunity for even more as people in our church are enabled to be more effective as they connect more and more and more to the power of God. So this is the call. Karura Community Chapel's Worship and Community Center is to be a city on a hill that will be a center for the surrounding community, drawing many towards Christ and Christ-likeness. A place of healing, hope, and growth. A beacon for Christ that will mobilize a passionate and equipped people who shall engage the world far beyond our region and to the uttermost parts. A veritable army for the Lord. All of it for the glory of God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father.
a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. This really informed our architect as he did the design. It's a place for the glory of God, for blessing the community, and a base for the army of the Lord. The place should be obvious to everyone, you know, visible and accessible, a place of hope, a place of safety, and also a place where a gathered people can accomplish much. That is what a city on a hill is. It's a place that people can see and go to and find their help. And there is a sense in which the Lord has already been building us into this effective community um, for, the, for the Lord. You know, beyond the amazing ministry that we share together here um, on, 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 in our worship on Sundays and other gatherings that we have in our small groups, our affinity groups last weekend, you know, the women's ministry um, affinity group had powerful ministry among us um, in, in this church. There is the care and, and healing ministry that supports those people who are going through, especially bereavement and health crises and, and personal crises like marriage and things like that. And beyond that, beyond all of this that is focused on the inside, on us, there is so much that we are doing also as we go out, as you and I go out. And, you know, I think about the Tumaini ministry um, through which we have sponsored and are mentoring a hundred children who otherwise would not go to secondary school. Karura Youth Sports Association is discipling younger people through sports. The Freedom Behind Bars ministry in the prisons. Thousands of people currently in prison and remanded in custody. Uzima ministry that works to improve the health situation, especially among the poor. Micro-enterprise development. Ministry in alcohol rehabilitation centers. The Dorcas ministry. Um, the love in the name of Christ. You guys are doing all of that. You're involved and you are engaged, making very practical impacts in people's lives. Think about Karura Voices. We are just reminded there, you know, impacting, they are impacting worship and culture. And as they do this, the third album that they are, that they are preparing to, to record in, in two weeks' time is just more power to influence what is going on out there. And we hope to complete um, within, this, within, within that sanctuary, there's a base and a studio um, in the basement area where they, they, we, we, are, we are hoping that they would be enabled to really grow and, and become amazing, a growth of ministry that will really impact culture. And it will also en enable more our internet outreach and, and things like that, our children's outreach, our high school's outreach. Our members are going out, reaching more than 10,000 children within the schools that are around us. You know, when we're thinking about church planting, um, more recently, we tied our church planting with community transformation ministry, and we've, been, we've gone out and spread into different areas. You know, here in Gidogoro and Mushada, and then we are in Sondu, in Masabit, in Taita. And all of these things are being led by members who have grown here. We are already in very many ways a base for the ministry of God, God's work and impact in the world. And, and what we want is to enhance that, to multiply that. If we can achieve what we are doing now, just think how much more we would be empowered to, to do as, and, and, and our future generations would be empowered to do. During our elders' retreat last weekend, there was a sentiment that was just shared by so many, so many of the elders that I just put it down. Um, and, you know, I just sort of put it together as, as what they were saying. And they're saying, we've got to get this project done. You know, I believe God is really going to surprise us with the fruit that will arise out of this building. The capacity of our church community that it will unleash. God is going to work 
He's going to work through what we are doing in that building. It will impact us. It will bless us. It will give us a better place for fellowship and growth and also make a difference for many, many people we will also be meeting with in eternity because we are doing it for God. So how will this be done? We will do it through generosity. It is generous partnership in accompanying, in accomplishing God's will. And so it's just labor and treasure. You know, we have had provision, professionals who are giving their labor. And these guys have given more than, you know, the value they've given is equivalent of way above 20 million shillings worth of service and counting. They've just been doing this for free. And there are, there are people who are involved in the fundraising team and the project delivery committee. They've been giving their skills in support of the work. And people are praying and fasting. This labor that we are putting together. I'm so thankful. We're so thankful for each and every one who's been thinking and, and, and just joining in, giving what they, what they could. And as they're going forward, those people who are doing all this planning um, will be hearing a little bit about how they're, they're, they're projecting the project, going ahead, want to make a very quick start to get going um, from, you know, by the latest, the beginning of next year to get going and breaking it into chunks that are, that are biteable. And the po- first part is the completion of the superstructure. And it'll probably be costing in total about 140 million and, and will be involving, you know, you know, purchasing materials and, and a labor contract. And so we will be given guidance concerning that. And these are, but these are all these people, these professionals and the project delivery committee and others who are giving their time, their labor, to make sure that what we are doing is effective. Of course, in large measure, we come back to the giving of treasure, giving money. But not out of what you normally give to ministry. Yanni, please don't cut the money you would have given to support the ministry and the life of the church. And instead, you know, just move that into something else designated for the building. And I know that you people who are in business, you know. You know, do you, do you stop doing the business so that you can, you, you, so that you can sort out your capital needs? You know, while you're in, in, investing in new tools that will make the business better? You can't stop. No way. You know, if you do that, you lose the reason for, for that business in the first place. Why you are doing it? And, and, you know, actually the chances of that business rising again um, really uh, become, they are really limited. And what we are looking to do as a church is investment in the future of the church as we continue to serve God. You know, we are asking that we do not reduce what we are giving to the continuing work of ministry. Otherwise, what we'll end up doing is just building a monument. Um, somebody was saying the, <laughs> telling me another time, you know, if we don't keep going, um, we'll have built that thing and then it will just be there. It'll be, it'll be empty. No, this is, we are building it for ministry and we don't stop ministry so that we can build. This is something we must continue. And so what we are calling us to, all of us, is a call to sacrifice. Give over and above what is your regular giving so that this task of preparing the facilities for the future ministry of the church may be accomplished. You know, the chairman of our uh, project delivery committee, Elder Minju, he has many times challenged me and others, you know, about how we look at the, at the project, you know, as, as though it's, it's, it's that thing out there. And his question is, aren't we God's family? 
And Ephesians 4 verse 6 says, There is one God and Father of us all who is over all and through all and in all. You know, God has adopted us into his family. And the Bible says in Romans 8.29 that God's will is that Jesus, his son, would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so this is what we are. The family of God. We are a family. We are God's family. He is working in us and through us. We represent his purposes in the world. And so as members of God's family, at this part of God's family, can we take up this project in the way that we would do our other family projects? You know, this, this, this work is part of our calling. Building is a family investment. And we all know that any investment requires, you know, a tightening of belts. It requires prioritizing. It, com- it requires commitment to push through to the, to, you know, the longer term until, until it is done. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and, and see what we can learn from the Bible about being real as we talk fundraising for, the, for, the, for, for God's calling. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 10 to 12, this is what the Apostle Paul writes to us and this is recorded in the scriptures. This is the word of the Holy Spirit. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now, you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So what is happening here? You know, these people had committed themselves to, to, to something, but now they were struggling. And, and the question is, you know, was it, was it a loss of vision? Was it that they got tired of, 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 of the fundraising and they lost motivation? Circumstances of their lives might have been changed and changing and become harder than they had been before. And maybe it was all of these things. Could those things happen to you and I? You know, especially over the passage of time, the presence of crises like what we've gone through in COVID and, and the current war in the Ukraine that is affecting the prices of everything. Sometimes there are so many new opportunities that we see and we want to take them even when things might be looking good. In a sense, because God is not constantly harassing you, he's not constantly speaking and needling you in the ear, um, you can lose momentum. You can lose momentum. So the first thing they were challenged to do is finish what you started. Yes, it's easy to tire or lose momentum as time goes on, but no. No, let's finish this thing. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. I don't know. At the beginning of of the year, we received pledges um, amounting to almost 80 million shillings. So far, we've received about 34, which includes giving from people who, who did not pledge. And yeah, it's been a really tough year. It's been a really tough year. But I want to appeal to those of us who had pledged, both in your heart and those who actually wrote um, and actually submitted those pledges to to the church. How far can we push as we fulfill our our pledges? You know, if you need help in in the way of raising funds, um, Pastor Martin has has just mentioned, you know, go to the fundraising desk and they can help you. They can set you up with cards for fundraising or even an e card. I and Rachel are just about halfway to completing our, our pledge, but we intend to complete it. It must be finished. Because, guys, you need to know, God is faithful. 
God is faithful. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. God will finish what he started. I want as far as he enables me to complete and be faithful to him. I pray that you and I will follow his example to completion. Secondly, we are told there that give according to what you have, not what you do not have. And again, this has been a tough year for many of us. Costs are high, business demands, you know, a lot. As we try to recover, the businesses get back into recovery. National and county governments have not been prioritizing pending bills as they focused on the politics. And this has affected many businesses directly or indirectly. You know, so did you make a pledge to the project? Perhaps you're struggling because you don't feel that you have enough to give. We're told you give out of what you have. And by the way, if you were presumptuous in making your pledge, um, you know, you were just putting a figure there, please confess it to God. You know, he will forgive you and you do not need to walk around in guilt. Do not be like that guy, Jephida, who, who made a foolish vow um, before God and was unable to confess and seek God's forgiveness, God's mercy. If you have sinned, turn to him and find forgiveness. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. But on the other hand, do not drop any promise you have made to God lightly. Ecclesiastes 5.4, when you make a promise to God, do not delay in, in following it through. For God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. Perhaps your pledge was out of your conversation with God and and you don't yet feel, have what you feel that he was asking you to give. And that might be a not yet as we were learning about prayer. And, and you must keep trusting him. But if so, please, you know, um, remember that the, the core thing is out of what you have. Give out of what you have, not what you do not have. So whatever you have, whatever you're able to, just step forward and do that. And, and maybe you could also speak to the, to the secretariat who maybe you're thinking you'd like to adjust or at least tell them that the pledge is going to take longer. Tell them um, so that that is, is just managed better. But on the other hand, maybe sometimes God has provided for us and we just are not aware. We do not see it. We, we are just not aware. Perhaps, you know, you, you had expectations of how he would provide, but he has, done, he, has, he has provided, but he has done it differently. You know, maybe on the other hand, you had different priorities and you spent or invested the things that, you know, that, that, that you had instead of, you know, ahead of giving to him, telling him, you know, wait, 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 let me first play. I'll get more money and I'll be able to give you more. Guys, this is the wrong way, <laughs> getting things the wrong way around. God, the enabler of all that you are and do, should be your first and your central priority. There are many good reasons, by the way, that we do not, we do not give despite our best desires. You know, for good, understandable reasons, making ends meet, the, the poor economy, the mortgage, you know, trying to better ourselves in difficult circumstances. Good reasons. But listen to God who knows all the reasons and knows how valid they are. Listen to what he says in Haggai chapter 1 verses 2 to 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but have harvested little. 
You, have, you eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. So isn't building my own house a reason to cut back on what I bring to God? When you don't give to the Lord so that you can keep those things that should be for him, and, and, and in a sense you're thinking you'll have a little bit more for, for your needs, you've done the worst thing possible. You think you have more to spend on your needs, but in fact what you have done is turn the living God against you. What God was telling the Israelites is that because they were holding back and not giving and so participating in his agenda, he had removed his protection on them. So that the troubles of life that eat away their money and, and increase, you know, illnesses, being pickpocketed, you know, things breaking down, you needing car repairs, productivity problems at work, debtors not paying on time. And the money that you took from the Lord brings more trouble to you than it saves you. It turns God away from you. And your last state is worse than your first. And this, by the way, goes for all of us. You know, not just those who made a written pledge. Some of us made pledges in our hearts and God is aware of it. Some of us have been saying to God, I want to give, but you haven't started. Consider what you have. And make the work of God a priority. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Make it first place out of what you have. And also note, by the way, that we are asked, number three, to give in proportion to what we have. 2 Corinthians 8, 11, give in proportion to what you have. Not based on comparing the amount that you're giving to the amount that the next person, the person next to you is given is giving. You know, you may see somebody giving a thousand shillings and you're thinking, yeah, I'm so much better because, you know, I'm doing 10,000. They're giving a thousand a month. I'm doing 10,000. But he's doing it out of a salary of 10,000, Bob, while you are running a half a million, a million. Who's really giving here? If you remember the story of that widow and her might, who Jesus said has given the most, because in proportion, proportion, Jesus said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. The fourth thing, whatever you give, give it with joy. Give eagerly. And, and I really pray that none of us will be looking at the opportunity to serve God's purposes as some sort of burden or a punishment. You know, it it is a privilege to walk with him, you know, and, and to partner with your creator. You know, honestly, I find it absolutely astounding, astounding that once so great, the creator of the universe, so completely beyond me, my imagination, my understanding, that he would invite me to be part of his family, part of his team, and actually to do something significant that matters to him. It's amazing. And it says at the start of verse 12, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. God loves a cheerful giver. 
It shows that at the center of your heart is the desire to see his joy, a desire to be part of fulfilling his will here on earth in the same way that it is done in heaven. Remember what we've learned before. You know, success, according to Jesus, is not the amount you give. It's about your love for God, the priority you give to Him. You know, remember, at the center of your life is your relationship with Him. That's where your identity rests. You are His child. And radiating out from there, you know, influencing your personal, internal life as, as well as your external life, you know, your marriage, your church work, everything else that you are doing, your identity is in God. Your purpose is found in God, that immovable rock that cannot be shaken or fall. I pray that our motivation will, will be motivated like the Apostle Paul by the love that we have received from God, by the love that Christ has shown to us. 2 Corinthians 5.14 for Christ's love compels us. This is what Paul says. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and was raised again. Family. What we are doing is going to matter for a hundred years. More into eternity because we are doing the work of of God. And as we build the people of God, that is work that keeps rolling on into eternity. That's the reason why we are doing this. It's to make disciples, to build a place of training and equipping and healing God's army as they engage, as we engage the enemy. It's not about impressing men. It's about serving our God. 2 Corinthians 8, 10-12. Let me read it again. Here is my advice. It will be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Let's finish what we started. Give according to what we have. Give in proportion to what we have received or been entrusted with. And give with eagerness. May the Lord lead us. May the Lord enable us to be a people for his joy, for his purposes. Serving this generation and future generations into the future until he comes. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I thank you so much for your love which is absolutely amazing. And for your promotion of us from worthless sinners to children of God, members of your family, a life eternal and the opportunity to serve you as we walk together in this time. To serve you in ways that are important to you, the creator of the universe. I pray, Lord, that you will be working in us, all of us, as we think, as we prepare, as we think about how we live as givers within the community of faith, that we would truly, truly do this in response to that love that we have received from you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your love.
May you bless your people, all of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Has this message challenged you? We hope that it has been a blessing in your life. If you would like to give your life to Christ, or talk to, or pray with someone,